there. This is Tammy Tucky from the Tammy Tucky Podcast, and you are listening to the Skull Rock Podcast. Skull Rock Podcast, talking all things Disney, with your hosts, L. John Go and Dave Bossert. Welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast, where every week we talk all things Disney and pop culture. We take you behind the scenes from some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, as well as what's streaming, what's in theaters, what's going on in this multiverse of entertainment. I'm Al John Go, podcaster, musician, and longtime Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars fan. And you can email me, Aljon, A-L-J-O-N, at SkullRockPodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bosser, your other co-host. I'm an artist, filmmaker, author, and welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And you can also email me at Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com. Well, Al John, we've got another fantastic show this week. Um, I, I, I absolutely can't wait to get to our guest. Neither can I, uh, Timmy Britt is a Disney artist and he worked for the company for such a long time, uh, working at the studios in Orlando, as well as doing stuff for universal. He is kind of the master mural creator, uh, up and down this East coast, which is awesome. But, um, He's got a book, which is awesome. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about his life story, and it is quite, quite good. So uh, looking forward to talking to Timmy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think it's going to be fantastic. Yes. Um, we should let, – let's move along because I'm excited about talking to him. He, he's he's such a uh, a vibrant individual. Yeah, absolutely. And well, yeah. Enthusiastic. And he he's is enthusiastic. very enthusiastic. <laughs> I love it. He is enthusiastic too. Plus, he'll have a special guest in tow too. So that'll be really cool to talk to to him, actually, yes. them both. But uh, this week, we were watching a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff, Dave. I finally saw oh Top gosh. Gun, like yourself. You you saw Top Gun when it was released over the weekend. It's breaking box office records, and I have to say that it definitely gives me the, the great vibe. So I, I will see it again. I gave it a thumbs up. Uh, you know, this is a fantastic summer movie. This is a great way to kick off the summer. Uh, I saw it in IMAX, Al John, and it was just, you know, earth shattering. It was fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. I, I, I can't say enough good things about it. I think last week I said it's going to it's going to go, you know, north of a uh, hundred million dollars. And it did. Yeah, it well, absolutely did. Well deserved. You know? uh, I, yeah, it did. It did 160 million at the box office, which is fantastic. I have to tell you when I saw it in the IMAX theater, normally the IMAX theater over the last year that I've been going to has had like, you know, eight or 10 people in it. This was a fairly full theater. I have to tell you a uh, fairly full theater. And it seems like people are starting to get back into the groove of going to movie theaters again, which I'm thrilled about. Do you believe Dave that this movie was so full of, you know, doing the fans right and just setting everybody back into that cockpit seat um, and, and saying, yes, we know it's been 30 years since the original movie, but we're going to put you back in it. You're going to love it. And it, obviously it, 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 it resonates with the audience, but do you think that the, these kind of rebooted, 
you know, franchises or sequels or is it already played out? Do you think we've seen, I know there's more in the hopper, but um, do you think that uh, they're going to continue? Hollywood's going to continue to kind of regurgitate some of these eighties properties. You know what? I think that if the original filmmakers have more of a story to tell, then more power to them. I want to go see it. Mm -hmm. You know, if they decide to do Top Gun three, I'll go see it Mm -hmm. because you know why? Tom Cruise is a mega movie star and he's delivering for the fans. I don't know when you saw the movie, did you see the little uh, piece that Tom did uh, welcoming people back to the movie theater? No, I didn't see that in, in in my uh, screening in the IMAX theater uh, before the movie even started, there was a little uh, sort of, I I guess I'd call it a public service announcement. And it was Tom Cruise thanking the cast, the crew uh, and welcoming people back to the movies. Well, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he didn't have to do that. He did that for the exhibitors, for the theater owners to have uh, on hand to show in their theaters, you know, because you cannot watch this movie. Al John, you have to you, you have to agree with me. You cannot watch this movie on a television. No, it's it, it it's so the scope is so big. The scope is so big and it makes so much sense. But um, and literally from the theme music at the beginning and everything in there, I just felt like I was back in that world. And man, I don't know what kind of work <clears throat> work or what have you facelift that Tom Cruise got. But man, he looks so young. I was I, I looked at Kristen, my wife, and I looked at her and I said, did they do like some de-aging or something? He just looks he looks amazing. He absolutely looks amazing. You know I got to tell you in the, in that little PSA he did before the movie started, um, he didn't have any makeup on. I mean, basically it was Tom Cruise and you know, he, he looked great. You know, I mean, he's, he's aging well and more power to him. Uh, Again, if you haven't had a chance to see this, you got to see it in a movie theater. And I recommend seeing it on an IMAX screen because the scope of this film and the, 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 the sound mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're right there with these guys in these fighter jets. It's fantastic. I know that Tom Cruise insisted that they all go to flight school and get, you know, jacked for this show for this movie and it pays off in dividends. And, you know, yeah. I, I we talked about it on the show, so I feel like it's not a spoiler. I think people already know that Val Kilmer is in this, and yeah, man, it brought brought a tear to my eye. It really did because I am such a big Val Kilmer fan, and um, it it was just wonderfully done. It was a love letter to the fans and really sets it up for the future of the franchise if they're building it that way because the characters are things you love. I love the tie-ins to the original movie. The music was great. The sound, everything you said, Dave. So I can't tell, I can't recommend this movie enough. Yeah. And and, and on the flip side, um, I actually went to see Downton Abbey. Oh yeah. um, uh, Which is out in the theaters. And you know, my wife, Nancy is a huge Downton Abbey fan. She's watched (laughs) the series, I think twice. Oh my goodness. I haven't watched, I haven't watched the series at all. But I did see the first movie and I went and saw the second movie. And what's so great is they set it up uh, for people who haven't seen the series. So Mm -hmm. these movies are standalones, which is really wonderful. 
Oh, that's good to know because then I could check it out without having to invest time in yeah. the series. You really don't. <laughs> you know, there was a couple of minutes uh, at the beginning of the movie where you get sort of the background on oh. the family. Oh. Uh, and so I I think that's fantastic. So I thoroughly enjoyed the film. It, it was really great. Um, I did see Chippendale Rescue Rangers on Disney+. Plus. Okay. I, this is what I'm getting to. Let's hear it. We're going to disagree well, to disagree. Well, let me tell you, I, I liked the concept. I thought it was terrific. Um, the writing I thought was very funny. Um, I thought the execution wasn't great. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Because, you know, uh, Dale, uh, and I'm not giving anything away. Dale goes away and gets CGI surgery. Mm -hmm. Right. And so Dale is CG. But guess what? So is Chip. Yeah. Chip is CG as well, but they just rendered him to look 2D and flat. That's right. Now, the problem I have with that is that they should have done Chip as a 2D character. Mm -hmm. They should have hand animated him mm -hmm. and then rounded him up with special effects like they did with Roger Rabbit to blend them into the um, live action world. So, so the execution for me on this, this film was not the greatest. I think that there were people who really didn't know what they were doing because you did have some hand-drawn characters, Lumiere, Roger Rabbit, very brief little things that are in, in the film uh, that were done hand-drawn, but Chip is CG and rendered to look 2D. So he looks like a coliforms yeah. laid over a live action plate. And some of the other 2D characters look like coliforms laid over. So so somebody, you know, the, the people, the filmmakers, you know, either made a conscious decision and said, we don't have the budget to do any of this stuff. So we're just going to throw this, you know, crap onto the screen. Yeah. Or uh, there were people who really didn't, really analyze this and look at this thoughtfully enough uh, to make it look great. Because to me, it was distracting having uh, 2D characters that look like flat color, color forms uh, uh, laid onto a live action plate. Um, you still could have had Chip as a 2D character rounded up a la Roger Rabbit style, mm -hmm. and he still would have looked 2D mm -hmm. next to a CG Dale. You know, but he would have blended into the plate. And that, yeah. that's the big problem I had. And I couldn't get past that, by the way. I just yeah. couldn't get past it. So so for me, uh, the movie missed the mark. It could have been great. And, uh, you know, and I love the fact that they had claymation characters in there. I love the fact that there was a sock puppet at one point. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was it was fun. And, and there was some funny dialogue and funny lines and, uh, you know, those kinds of things. But the execution of the film was terrible yeah i totally see your point of view they could have taken the extra step they could have i don't know you know i don't know what their budget is or uh what their expectation was for disney plus but um i feel like uh there are a lot of those 2d characters like the transformers and the he-man figures and all kinds of stuff that, ca that came in and those cameos um but what did you think of the roger rabbit scene 
you know, since you're firmly rooted in Roger Rabbit. Well, uh, you know, again, I, I didn't think the Roger Rabbit scene was as great as it could have been. Yeah. And the same with Lumiere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know something, when I looked at that Lumiere scene, I was, I, I actually went, you know, went through the credits to see who worked on it. Mm-hmm. And it's beyond me, you know, Nick Ranieri, was the animator of Lumiere mm-hmm. on Beauty and the Beast. He's just, he's still around. He's still working. You know, he lives in Los Angeles. You telling me that the filmmaking crew couldn't have reached out to to Nick and said, <laughs> we have this very short scene or a couple scenes of Lumiere in this movie. We'd like you to animate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, they could have easily reached out to the original animator. They absolutely could have reached out to an animator who'd animated uh, some of the uh, Roger Rabbit. Uh, they're still around, mm-hmm. you know, and again, this was this was just, you know, uh, what, what's going on now is you, you're getting people involved in projects that don't have any kind of provenance or uh, any kind of uh, historical sp- perspective on any of this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's where, you know, you, instead of doing 100 percent, you know, being like a James Cameron or a Steven Spielberg and really putting yourself and saying we got to do even you know the the tom cruises out there that are so demanding of quality you know you don't there was nobody that was demanding of the quality on chippendale sure and that's my problem with it sure and i'm being totally honest oh no listen People, people should watch the film it is funny but but it wasn't executed as well as it could have been oh yeah absolutely once again to your point i see it and I feel like there needs to be some authenticity if you're going to do that kind of stuff. You you should go all the way, and you should have somebody that that um, you know could reach out to these people and add that layer of authenticity to make it what it should be. Um, but it, the only the, the issues that I have with Chippendale is more of a, a line of um, you know it, it's a lot of needle drop meme stuff that's in there. And so the story kind of gets secondary, but I guess I'm not the target audience necessarily for this uh, movie and I understand it. It's funny. Um, But yes, I do understand they could take that extra level care and and dedication to the project um, and maybe they'll do it next time. Hopefully. Yeah, and, and by the way, it is Disney. It is a Disney product. And you would think that they would have cared a little bit more about the quality of it, mm-hmm. you know, and even even the He-Man and some of those, you know, traditional Saturday morning cartoons, that doesn't mean that you just lay them on a live action plate. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it means that you need to blend them into the live action plate, make them part of the environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was the brilliance and success of uh, who framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. You know, you felt like the characters were in the, in the live action plate that they were really there with Bob Hoskins and uh, you know, and Christopher Lloyd, that the, the characters were there that makes it believable. And it sucks the audience into the story. Yeah. Uh, for me, I couldn't stay engaged with the story because I kept getting pulled out by the poor quality of, you know, the fact that these some of the characters did not blend into the live action. I 
Understood. Absolutely. Hey, Disney, yeah. just give Dave Bossard a call. You know where to find him. He's on this show. I know you're listening. So go ahead and do that. And he'll be able to to pull all the people together for you. You know, you can do this, Disney. Come on now. And, and, and by the way, you know, the one thing I would say is that, you know, a lot of what I'm saying here is not really adding a lot to the budget. You know, uh, I mean, you know, in my mind, there are there are tricks and things that you can do now in compositing that can make some of this stuff um, uh, work. And, and you're not adding a lot to your budget. Anyway, that 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 was my issue. With <laughs> I feel I feel I like I did watch it. And you know. I feel like we could have done a whole bonus episode just on this this movie, but maybe we'll, we'll move I, I on. Know, I, I, I could have picked it all apart. Yeah, anyway, I, you know, I, I would rest- love. Well, wait, wait. So this goes back to another thing. If we ever have a show topic and you and I wanted to do a watch along on Disney Plus, you and I do a watch party yeah. with some of our listeners and we just yeah. roll the tape. That's what we should do. We should do that, Dave. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, so so uh, since last week, I also caught up on uh, some Barry, okay, uh, which is on HBO Max. Uh, Hacks with Gene Smart on HBO Max, which awesome. is a brilliant show. Mm-hmm. And then I I watched a six episode um, uh, limited. Well, I, I shouldn't say limited series. It's it's a six episode series, season one of uh, Martin Freeman. Uh, who's a great British actor. Uh, you may remember him from uh, the uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, show with, uh, be- uh, with um, uh, Benedict Cum- Cumberbatch yes. uh, and Martin Freeman as uh, Dr. Watson. Well, Martin Freeman is in a, uh, a British police show called The Responder, uh, The Responder. And it's on BritBox, uh, which is on a part of Prime. Uh, and uh, it was really terrific. Nice. Uh, I watched uh, all six episodes. It was uh, really well done. That's great. He plays a very sort of tortured character that's kind of having a breakdown. Who's who's a police officer, uh, and it's gritty. It's gritty, and it's it's much real. It's much more real uh, as far as you know what I think is going out on the streets right now with police everywhere. Sure, uh, where they're dealing with some stuff at the street level uh, as opposed to dragging people in uh, to you know putting them under arrest and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really well done. The responder on BritBox on Prime. So aside from Top Gun, what else did you see? Well, uh, I actually saw Lost City streaming, of course, uh, Sandra Bullock. And uh, what did you think? It was kind of a fun movie. Yeah, I mean, it is Romancing the Stone. Let's face it. You know, I I was actually uh, kind of in the background watching Romancing the Stone uh, while I'm working. I'm like just trying to prepare for it. And then it's like, oh, it's just a remake of (laughs) Romancing the Stone. (laughs) And I mean, Brad Brad Pitt makes the movie, right? Oh, man. When Brad, Brad Pitt's in there. Yeah, he's great. Brad Pitt, nothing he does. I mean, I feel like he's got to the point where he can just, you know, cameo for 15 minutes of a movie and he does and he makes and he makes the movie. He's so good. He's so good. But also Sandra Bullock. I mean, for me, this lady can do no wrong. She's worked so hard in her career. She has such a body of work. And I've been a Sandra Bullock fan for a long time. And uh, she's funny. You know, not to take anything away from Channing Tatum, um, but she she's the reason why I watch. Um, yeah, but <laughs> he, he was funny as well. I oh, mean, yeah, he I was to say, was. you know, he, he plays a guy that's like, you know, as dumb as a board. Yes. You know, and it's hilarious. Yes, you know? absolutely. And then, of course, born the heart of gold. Right. So it, it's all good. 
right? So Lost City, it, it's yeah. a fine comedy, and my wife and I loved it. Um, Obi Wan, it's, it's yeah, a fun movie. It is a fun movie. You know, it's it's not tops of the tops of romantic comedies for Sandra Bullock, but it is it is fun. Um, Obi Wan. Uh, debuted. We're talking a little bit about the effect of Obi Wan on Disney Plus, but Obi Wan Kenobi, I I loved it. It gave me all the feels of the original, and this is what happens when you bring a a legacy character and treat treat it properly. I believe you treat it properly, and does it have some tropes of of new Star Wars, whatever? Uh, that's for you to decide. Honestly, I feel like it's Star Wars. It's the world. It's the characters I know and love. And uh, I think, uh, you know, they're doing a great job with it. I don't know if you've seen it, Dave. Yes. So I'm, I'm a, I, I didn't put this on my list because I saw it on your list. And I, I figured I'd just say, look, I'm caught up on all the episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, this is a terrific series. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I think what was brilliant is that they gave the uh, sort of the back uh, history of Obi-Wan Kenobi at the beginning of episode one. Yes. Because when I said I wanted to watch this, my wife and my youngest daughter, Marley, both were like, like they're not into Star Wars. Right. (laughs) Uh, And they weren't thrilled about it, but they said, "Okay." I said, look, let's watch the first episode and see, see what you think. So because they gave that backstory at the beginning of episode one, Mm -hmm. you didn't have to be a, a, you know, a a crazed star Wars fan uh, to, to get into this. Mm -hmm. My wife said at the end of, uh, of, uh, you know, Nancy said at the end of episode one, she was, I'm really glad they gave that backstory because it really kind of set it up for me. Now I know what's going on and they're actually enjoying it. So we've, we've watched all those episodes that have dropped so far, which I think is three, three. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, the girls loved it. And I loved it. I think it's really well done again, top quality. It's like, you know, this is like movie quality television shows. Yeah. So they've been talking about the Obi-Wan movie for a long time. I feel like they just expanded it for this series and I'm glad they did because uh, you're absolutely right. Stroke of genius reintroducing the world to the time and Obi-Wan's backstory in a very quick montage. I think that's all it took and you're set up for the show and you're set up to enjoy it and uh, stroke of genius on that part. Great use of legacy characters, cinematic quality, magnificent score. Of course, everything you love about star Wars, including the Obi-Wan theme from John Williams returning for that, which I absolutely love. And um, they did something that I didn't think was going to, that kind of brought me back to Rogue One, which was they made Darth Vader scary. Mm-hmm. And the, mm-hmm. I'm glad because that's the, the way I felt about it when I saw it. Yeah. So so great. Uh, can't wait to talk more, Obi-Wan. Um, also debuting this week was Orville on Hulu and on Disney Plus around the world. And uh, it's a return of Seth MacFarlane and the cast and crew of the Orville Starship. Uh, I think they do Star Trek better than Star Trek. You know, they they really did a great job in this new episode dealing with repercussions from the previous uh, seasons that happened three years ago. Dave, they totally shut down production during the pandemic. They couldn't get it. And now they're back. And I hope this show uh, and the fans rally around this show because it's really quality, top notch science fiction, guys. 
So get in there and support the Orville. It's magnificent. And then, of course, I, I finally caught up uh, with the series, uh, the mid-season finale of The Walking Dead, which was a great little cliffhanger there, too. So a lot of stuff that I wasn't expecting. Uh, basically, when hell freezes over moments came true, and it was very, uh, very good. So, guys... Thank you uh, for listening, and uh, we want to know what you're watching. Send us and drop us those emails, and we'll talk about it, and uh, leave us your comments on anything we're watching. But right now... Yeah, and, by, and, and, and by the way, before before we go to the news, <laughs> okay. I, I, because you said that, because you said, tell us what you're watching, I wanted you to know that I did have a listener uh, write to us, Matt uh, from Nebraska, oh, yeah. said that he put... He put Tropo on his list of things to watch. We talked about Tropo last yes. week. So um, I, you know, I, I, I hope that by us telling you what we're watching, uh, it may give you some ideas of things to uh, jump in and, and take a look at. So there you have it. Hey, Tropo's on my list as well, Dave. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Skull Rock Podcast, ripped from the headlines. It's Skull Rock Podcast headline news. Like the sands of the hourglass, so do (laughs) the days of our lives. And the days and days of 22 plus uh, days sitting and watching every minute of the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. The verdict is in and jury rules in favor unanimously for Johnny Depp. Holy smokes, Dave. Can you believe it? Can you believe this? You know, the, this is this is unbelievable. Uh, I I was hoping that this was going to happen, uh, and, and you know, again, this is this is a jury of peers that are listening to all the evidence, and I don't think this jury really believed some of the stuff that Amber Heard was saying because, look, I didn't really watch this very closely, but I did read a few articles here and there. Uh, in reputable newspapers, you know, that are trying to give both sides of this. But it just seemed to me that there were some things that she said that were debunked by Johnny Depp's team, Uh, you know, including, you know, trying to say that he pushed Kate Moss down the stairs or rumored that he pushed her down the stairs when, in fact, she, you know, Kate Moss was one of the witnesses uh, for Johnny and said, no, it was raining. She slipped on some steps and he actually carried her back to their room, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, for crying out loud, um, I just, you know, I, I have to say you got to listen to the evidence and you can't just go, you know, take a knee jerk reaction and say, you know, this person was abused or I, it seems like both of them were abused sure. uh, in, in my my book. So I look, this isn't over. Uh, Amber Heard's team said they're going to appeal this verdict. Um, she apparently doesn't even have the money to pay the judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, this is going to be a, a thing that drags on. What I think may come out of this, though, is that uh, Johnny Depp's career uh, resurrects, mm-hmm. uh, possibly. Uh, I read an article that he he's potentially being cast in Beetlejuice 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if there, you know, again, I read that in the trades. They said that, you know, he may be uh, being cast, but there's no definitive on that. But, I, you know, look, I think he's a tremendous talent. He's a modern day Lon Chaney. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, uh, the guy's a chameleon. He can turn into these characters that audiences love. And, um, you know, look, whatever goes on in your personal life, I don't think it should, uh, you know, necessarily spill over into your professional life. Um, but that's just me. I, I agree with you. It is sad. The, the entire story is sad. Uh, when you, there are no winners ever in something like this, but, um, you have to have credibility and, you know, and clearly the, the jury spoke their, you know, spoke with their, their votes, um, and how they, the judgment turned out. But, um, I'm hoping Johnny is able to rehabilitate his career. It looks like Hollywood is ready to take him back. Um, albeit, you know, there's a conflicting reports over the media and how people feel like, this is a bash against the Me Too movement, and I really don't think so. I think it's important for all all people to come forward whenever they are, they have abuse to speak up. But there are always ramifications of that. Um, so let's be truthful. Let's let's make sure that we listen to people that are suffering and address that. And I hope that the people you know, like Johnny and Amber, both get the help they need in order to uh, to live their lives and move on. I completely agree with you, Al John. And, you know, listen, I don't think that this is a blow against the Me Too movement. And it's worth pointing out that the Me Too movement never even said a, a, a peep about this trial, mm -hmm. you know, because this was this was a defamation trial. Uh, but there was a lot of sordid details that came out, you know, and obviously the, the it was not a good it was a toxic relationship between the both of them. Uh, you you know, she admitted to hitting him and you know what? No one should be hitting anyone. Right. You know, right. I mean, you know, period. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Gender, uh, you know, human beings should not be hitting each other. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just wrong. You know, use your words as your, you know, as our parents said to us growing up, use your words. I've been saying you know? that now. I'm, I'm turning it to my parents, Dave. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's that's absolutely true. So uh, quick right. questions, though. Um, do you think Disney is going to approach Depp to come back to Pirates or uh, do you think there's obviously some fence mending to be had there? Um, what, what do you think about that whole relationship between them and Disney? You know, it all boils down to dollars and cents. Mm -hmm. You know, if Disney thought they were going to make three billion dollars doing another Pirates movie, you can be darn sure they're going to be making another Pirates movie and uh, they're going to reach out to Johnny uh, yeah. if they were to do that. that yeah. I mean, that's, you know, the. the the nature of Hollywood is the almighty dollar, you know, they'll True. overlook, you know, look, you know, something, the whole thing with Harvey Weinstein, when that was blowing up, well, Weinstein's career was on the downslope. He wasn't, he wasn't the kingmaker the way he was, mm -hmm. but if, if Harvey was making billions of dollars for studios, they would have kept most of that stuff under wraps for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, that's mm -hmm. all I'll say about it. Right. On. It's all about money. It's uh, all about money. There, you, there, there's no soul there. I gotcha. <laughs> you know? I gotcha. Well, uh, so. let's, uh, let's circle back, uh, with Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi, uh, Obi-Wan Obi Kenobi on Disney plus. I know what a horrible transition. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. Like, a, a, it, Hey, Hey, look, we're known for horrible transitions here on this show.
Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi breaking Disney plus viewership records. Of course, uh, we talked about it earlier. They've been riding high with star Wars celebration that took place this past weekend. And I had one of our friends uh, who hosts the eat the pictures podcast, Kat or Corey and dining at Disney with my wife. And she actually worked at the Mandalorian experience with John Favreau. And she finally talked about it um, on dining at Disney last night. And it is, it was great to see all those people at celebration, but my gosh, man, once again, um, they're doing great stuff, uh, with Obi-Wan Kenobi as we talked about. So they are the leader. They are the number one series on Disney plus. It looks like they're breaking records and we look forward to following this, uh, as the series concludes. But uh, absolutely, amidst do you all know how many episodes do, do you know how many episodes Obi Wan Kenobi? Is I believe it's be? six, it six. Six episodes. Six. It's six. See, I I'm hoping that they uh, would uh, expand these to eight or ten episode series. You know, so, six is six is just a little too light for me. So I have news for you, Dave. I found out that the Andor series that we talked about last week is actually going to uh-huh. be twelve episodes. Fantastic. Yeah, I so love doing that. It. And I really love the Andor trailer. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Me too. I'm loving it. Um, so along with that, of course, comes its fair share of criticism. Um, Ewan McGregor had posted something on social media defending Moses Ingram after racist attacks. And I hate to bring this up, but here we are. Uh, Obi-Wan hits. There's a lot of criticism from the fandom about the show and Moses Ingram, who plays a villain of the show, Hunting the Jedi. And of course, she's African-American actress. Well, very talented. And I actually like her character a lot. But Dave, when this story came down and Star Wars retweeted uh, Ewan McGregor's post about this this racism uh, coming down on her. Hey, look, criticize the show if you want. Everyone has the social media platform to criticize the show, but to attack personally an actor like Moses Ingram or what they did to Kelly Marie Tran when the sequel trilogy came out, you know, of uh, an Asian woman playing a role, criticize the role, criticize, you know, the filmmakers, but don't personally attack any of those people. I think it's I think we have a bunch of trolls that are disguising themselves as Star Wars fans because I personally don't know any Star Wars fans who are not tolerant of you know all of these type of uh, different you know people like we've always had black characters in Star Wars we've always had minority characters in Star Wars granted they may not have had you know a leading role like Mo- Moses Ingram um you know going up against Obi-Wan Kenobi or Ewan McGregor's character. But, you know, we've had um, all kinds of uh, other characters in Star Wars, all the way dating back to Billy D. Williams, who is one of my favorite, you know, actors. Uh, I think this is outrageous. Listen, first and foremost, Moses Ingram is a wonderful actress. Her character's terrific. Mm-hmm. I absolutely, you know, despise her character. Because she's a great villain, That's which right. makes her, to me, in my mind, she's a great actress. Secondly, you know, these meat puppets and trolls that are out there are hiding behind mm. pseudonyms. They're, they're, they're cowards. These people are cowards. Yes. And we should not be giving them the time of day. And I have to say, you know, Ewan McGregor, 
defending her is is great. But you know what? You're giving these people a stage. 100%. You're giving them a platform by responding to them. Just ignore them. Yes. You know, these people that are making those comments, you know, block them from those platforms, block them from those accounts. These people are morons, you know, and uh, and I don't have time for it, you know, and I have to tell you. Anybody out there uh, who, uh, you know, has done anything in their life has experienced these kinds of things. You know, uh, I've certainly gotten those kinds of notes from people, you know, nasty notes and things like that. They're they're spiteful people. You know, they're 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 unhappy individuals and you just ignore them, you know, by not responding uh, because they want you to respond. And by not responding, you know, you're you're just shutting them down. Yeah. And that's kind of how I look at it. More power to Moses Ingram. She's great. I hope they expand her character's role. I hope she, you know, becomes, you know, uh, uh, gets the promotion that uh, uh, Darth Vader has promised her. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we'll see. I you mean, know what? That's all I have to say. About hey, you it. know what Darth Vader says? Don't choke on your ambitions. <laughs> there you go. There but, you go. but you're right. And, and you know, but but they really should. They, you know, uh, all, all these uh, all these companies have people that are dealing with their social media accounts. Just any kind. There's a nasty message that goes up. Delete it. And block the person yeah, so they can't post anymore. Yeah. That's all, you Don't, know, because yeah. these, these people are a small, small fraction. They're trolls. Yes. They're everywhere and they need to be tamped down, you know, what, or beaten what, down, it, I should it, say. Well, yes, absolutely. Just, just snuff them out. And don't give them the platform, yeah. as you said, Dave. And by the way, cyberbullying sucks. Um, you know, Kristen and I had our share of cyberbullies uh, when we started uh, podcasting for Disney yeah. 10 years ago. Not good. But uh, why well, digress? Let's move on to happier news. It looks like fans will finally get their chance to see Boba Fett, The Mandalorian, and Fennec Shand all at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And they started making their appearances at Disneyland during Star Wars Celebration. And while it's kind of breaking the timeline uh, of the sequel trilogy of characters, Kylo Ren and Rey, uh, coming from a different era of Star Wars, they're not interacting uh, with each other. They're kind of in their own little sections of Galaxy's Edge where fans can get photo ops with them. Dave, what do you think of them kind of breaking the timeline um, but giving the fans what they want? Yeah, but, you know, when you think about it, I mean, you know, you go all around Disney World or Disneyland and you've got characters from all different properties and different uh, locations, environments, you know, uh, that are popping in and out uh, for photo ops. With You know, I, I think it's perfectly fine. I mean, it, it just, it, you know, you look at the parades. Right. There's there's a whole mix of characters. They, they sometimes have a float with multiple, uh, you know, uh, franchises on it. You know what I mean? And 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 by the way, that's always been a no, no within Disney of, you know, mixing, you know, putting prince, all the princesses together. But there's exceptions to the rule. Uh, and I, I think this is an exception to the rule and it's perfectly fine. They're keeping them, um, uh, you know, sort of segregated, uh, into their own spaces. Uh, so, you know, you, you're not having the mix and, and I think that's fine, uh, mm -hmm. because it is giving the fans the 
opportunity to do uh, photo ops. I'd like to have a photo taken with the Mandalorian. I, I want my my baby Yoda photo, Dave. Who, my, who are you kidding? I want baby Yoda. Okay, you baby Yoda. Um, but you know, you're right yeah. because Ariel, Ariel at at, uh, at Fantasyland, she's got legs somewhere, and then she's back to being a mermaid in another area. So hey, give the fans yeah. what they want. That's what George Lucas would have wanted. Um, that's right. So here we are with the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness setting Disney Plus release date. Finally, we can check it out as it hits later on this month. It looks like it's going to be hitting May. Uh, what is it? Um, when is it? June 22nd. I was going to say May. It's June 27th, uh, 22nd on Disney Plus. I can't wait to revisit so- this. So so what did they do? They they gave the window, the theatrical windows a month. Yeah. Is that what yeah. about or five weeks? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I okay. guess if they're going to do right. a six, I think they're supposed to do a six week window. So uh, however okay. it, it, it works out. But uh, there you go. Um, once again, Phil debuted at one hundred and eighty five million at the box office. And it's been the biggest launch of twenty twenty two thus far. Of course, I think Top Gun is probably going to take that away <laughs> pretty quickly. Yeah. But uh, but that's cool, you know. So go ahead and check it out on Disney Plus later this month. Yeah. And again, I would just say to the audience, this you know, the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is a movie you should see on a big, big screen. I saw it in IMAX. And again, you know, it's such a fantastic film. You want to get the best experience possible. I think this is a film that will lose a little bit on a television. Absolutely. You know, you're not you're not going to really see feel the scope of this film. But what can I tell you? You mm -hmm. know, if you get a chance, go to the movie theater and see it uh, before you watch it. Uh, You know, if you're going to watch it a second or third time, watch it on your television. That's fine. There you go. See it at least once in a movie theater. You got to see the more you got to see all these tentpole franchises in in a on a big screen for sure. That's that's been my mantra. There you go. Hey, uh, Universal Studios, as we talk about another theme park, is getting ready to unleash Super Nintendo World coming to Universal Studios Hollywood early 2023. Dave, this looks so amazing. I know a lot of your former friends and Imagineers now working at Universal Studios are uh, just uh, so happy about how this is working out because I have to tell you, the ride like Super Mario, what is it, um, Mario Kart, like live action Mario Kart, looks amazing. It looks so mm. good. So uh, uh, I can't wait to check this out, Dave. Uh, when was the last time you've been to Universal Studios Hollywood? My gosh, it, it's been years. I can't remember the last time I was there. Actually, I would it's, love nothing I, more than to plan a trip uh, to go see you and and nancy and then all of us go to universal <laughs> yeah you know it's it, it's actually much closer to us than uh disneyland uh-huh yeah absolutely yeah uh last but not least we have uh, in saturn news Ed Soro Raponi, the uh, mechanical effects expert on E.T., King Kong, and Alien, passes away at the age of 76. He also designed dinosaurs for Baby, the secret uh, of the lost legend, and tarantulas for Something This Way, uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes. He's a kind of this uh, monumental figure in animatronics, is he not? Yeah, he really is. I wanted to flag this because this is not a name that most people would actually know, but uh, they certainly would be familiar with all the things that he touched. 
and brought to life mechanically like ET. Uh, and uh, I just thought we, I wanted to, to, you know, for us to, to sort of uh, mention him, talk about him for a moment. And, you know, here's a person who's, uh, whose life's work uh, is going to live on in, uh, you know, in, in the movie world, uh, in these incredible films, uh, all of them, except for maybe baby, the legend, <laughs> Legend of the Lost, which was in production when I was working at Disney early on. And I, you know, they had, they had had people inside rubber dinosaur suits jumping around. It was was a terrible. And by the way, I would say (laughs) it was probably one of very few movies I've ever walked out on. Okay. And I was at, (laughs) and I was at a free screening of Uh, it. Okay. Studios and Nancy and I just got up halfway through, walked out. It was such a bad movie. Well, hey, look, we'll have to seek that out just just to check it out and and review that. But but here we are. Um, hey, look, he's done a lot of other great work, though. You know uh, that. No, no, that and, and removed and from that film. Say, yes, I have to say. But when you know that aside, all these other films are really incredible films. You know. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was sad to see this uh, notice in the trades that he had passed. Yes. Yeah, so that came from a Disney representative who had mentioned that he passed away due to um, uh, congestive heart failure uh, on this past mm-hmm. Friday, but, but relive yeah. his great work with the uh, Martin Scorsese in gangs of New York, an awesome film. You can also check out another awesome film. Of course, he teams up with him again with aviator uh, Frank Darabond, uh, the creator of um, the walking dead series on the green mile Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. So, so many wonderful, wonderful films, but, uh, you know, you will be missed. So relive the good movies and stay away from the one Dave was talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. Let's get on to it with uh, Timmy Britt. Skull Rock Podcast. Interview time. Well, Al John, as always, we have another fantastic guest. We have Timmy Britt, who's the executive art director, an artist, a teacher, and a speaker. And he heads uh, Timmy Britt Studios. And he's perhaps best known for his former roles as a Disney animation artist and an Imagineer. So I want to welcome Timmy to the Skull Rock Podcast. Timmy. I know the studio audience goes wild. They're out of control here. They really are, my friend. Uh, Timmy, welcome, welcome on the show. And I've been looking forward to talking to you because you have had an incredibly varied career. Uh, I mean, you've done uh, murals. You've done over 500 murals up and down the East Coast. You've done uh, designs for NFL. You've done work at Disney, at the MGM Hollywood Studios. You've done stuff with uh, Harry Potter. Uh, I'm imagining in Orlando, right? Uh, yes, at at yes, the sir. Universal Park. Yes, sir. Uh, Tell me, how how did you get into the business? How did you become an artist? Tell us that story. Okay. So when I was a little kid, it was like my fifth birthday. I was born in 1966. And on my fifth birthday, October 25th, 1966, I was born. Two months later, Walt Disney died. He was he died October like 12th or 13th, like somewhere like the first two weeks of, of December. And uh, it meant a lot to my parents, you know? So I... Didn't know much about it. I'm just a baby, you know, but by the time I was five years old, this wonderful thing happened on my birthday, Walt Disney world opened and named itself Walt Disney world. After Walt Roy did it with Mickey at a pedestal on my fifth birthday. 
And I was there as a little boy to see this little old man and this mouse walk up to the pedestal and everybody was quiet. It went from fanfare and balloons and craziness, the architecture, the smells, the color of the sky. I'll never forget being a five-year-old boy being there on opening day at Walt Disney World. So that sets the pace. And I've come throughout the course of my life to realize that if I was Walt and I built Walt Disney World Company and, and saw Disneyland build and my dream was Epcot and my dream was the Magic Kingdom, my dream was what more you could build if we bought enough land. And then I died. I would hope that somebody would be here to carry that off for me. And so that's where my began. I fell in love with Walt Disney World on my birthday when I was five years old. I went home and just started to draw like Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck. So I, I, I guess I, I really want to say like that was a moment that really had an impact on you to you see Roy me? O and ah. Mickey Mouse, right? You, there's a plaque on Main Street right next to the flagpole that says here on this October 25th, 1971. So I just my whole life, I just thought that was a really cool magical thing to have is that's your birthday. But I could draw and I think like an artist, like a demon, like I've always my whole life really been good at reverse engineering things, drawing things, sketching things, sculpting things, seeing things, painting things, taking you places that you've never been. And through NFL films, they let me design the sets for Under the Helmet and Playbook for HBO. But I also got to work in animation. So when the, you know, when a quarterback would throw a ball, it's a great play. I have to bring up his stats, his picture, the school he came from, whatever's going on with the logo of the team and then zoom it out. And you have a seven second delay, which means if you mess something up, the whole world's watching, you know? So that's really kind of high intense stuff. And I was really happy at that job at NFL Films. But then I, uh, so I went up and down the East Coast painting warm rails for all kinds of franchises. And I just was really successful at it. But that's how I paid back my student loans. I went to engineering school. I went to art school. So I had a lot of student loans. I paid them back by painting murals. So it was great. But then I got married and I had a kid and I couldn't go around the country like I was before. So I worked at NFL Films, a terrible car accident. Later, I'm in a body cast for a year and a half. It was Ooh. so bad. But I survived the car accident. It was, a, but it was a work fan. So when I was done, when it was done, and I, I had the cast off, I had to go through therapy and walk again. But when I did, there was a settlement from that car accident, and my wife worked so hard for me. So she said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "I want to go to Disney World. I want to take you and the kids to Disney World." And then so we so we went. But while we were there, now you know they have like a twenty-year waiting list for animation artists, and it's ridiculous to get a job there. I had no idea. I just had all this love. I went to Disney when I was five, when I was 10, when I was 15, when I was 20, every five years, I would go back to the parks and see the growth and see what the Imagineers were doing. And it was also fascinating to me. I, I got it right away. I didn't need to figure out how I just saw it. Like some people just get that stuff. And like, you know, you're absolutely one of them. And with music, you are as well. What instrument do you play by the way? Oh, <laughs> I'm a guitar player. Damn I'm not, right. I'm a hack though. I'm not really that good. Yeah. I do. I've, I've been known to sing a little bit too, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's being modest. He's really good. I mean, yeah, honestly, yeah, I have yeah. a tin ear and the only thing I could play is air guitar and not very well. Oh, we love air and guitar I- players. <laughs> They're the best. So, so, so once I got there now, I'm an older person now, like I'm, I'm in my mid thirties. So I tell people do not give up on your dreams. 
even if you're in your mid thirties, you're really just a baby. You've taken your experiences that far. He's 36. He still has so much life to learn. Like life doesn't begin till 40, honestly. And it's not till 45 that you really see what all is going on in the world with people, with politics, with love, with religion, with everything in your life, whoever you're going to be by 45, if you make it that far, you've got it figured out, but that's a great time to strike. The iron's hot. You're at almost your full potential by this point. If you've made it this far and you haven't had too many heartbreaks or bad things happen in your life that you've had to overcome, you could really give the world something of yourself. And that goes for anybody. I don't care if you make cupcakes or flip-flops or you're an artist or a musician. If you just don't give up, the only thing between you and your dream once you vision up, visualize it is the hard work it takes to get there. So as a little boy, I started drawing Mickey Mouse. Yeah. No, I was going to ask you, uh, you, you know, you were drawing when you were a kid uh, and you had, you know, you went through college and you, what were the types of murals you were painting to, to really make a living and pay off your student loans? That's a great question. So it started out at a flea market and I was just trying to sell like lawn ornaments. I swear it's the funniest story. I took, I cut little pieces of wood out with a stake and I built it in my garage. And then I'd paint like a dragon with a castle, but the castle has your address on it. So I could move, put on different numbers because I thought ahead of it. And they were really cool. One where a guy's swimming with the wind and there's a shark fin behind him, but on your lawn, crazy stuff, right? So I take it to a flea market. Nobody buys anything. They think it's just ridiculous. Women are pulling their little kids away. They thought they were like weapons that were really funky because they had spikes in them, but that was just to put in your lawn. You know, I'm in a flea market at a table. I didn't have a piece of grass. So I was really down about it. But one couple came up to me and they said, you know, your stuff is amazing. You really are creative. And I said, oh, thanks. So I gave them one of my pieces. So not only didn't I make the $10 that I needed to rent the table, but I gave away a piece of art and I had plans to throw the rest of them in the trash. This was my first public kind of thing, you know? So three days later, the two, that couple knocks on my door. They looked me up. Back then, you didn't have the internet. They right. found me from a phone number and they couldn't get me. My dad was on the phone. We had one line in my house back then and it was a hard line. So opportunity was trying to get to me and it couldn't. So they knocked on my door, this sweet couple. And they said, they just came from a place called Wings to Go. And it's a franchise that has blank walls. And the guy, Fashad, his name was, he really needs to talk to somebody with your kind of creativity. We're just trying to put two and two together, but they went out of their way to do that for me. Wow. That, wow. Isn't that awesome? I went to meet Fashad. He, we built 13 Wings to Go's up and down the East Coast, but they were all in other strip malls. So I did all the liquor stores, all the hair salons, all the nail places, all the tuxedo places, all the pet stores, all the gyms. Murals. So, so it's like what once you did a Wings to Go mural, the other businesses were like, oh my gosh, I come over yeah, here and do something for me. Because yeah. he would promote really good. He would advertise great. He understood yeah. that to have a great business, you got to put some money into it. Sure. He was not afraid to do that. He ended up selling 13 different franchises and making more money than I know what to tell you about. And that was only 13 franchises, not anything really big. But he was really successful at it because he put the money in. He found someone creative to could take the character, make up characters for all his sauces and the different hot sauces. Like there was a guy named Bernie because it burned your butt off. You know what I mean? When you eat it, burn. <laughs> and then the guac was a little chicken and there was a buffalo named Romeo and fries. They were French, of course. And so we, we, we had them squirt and catch up on each other across walls. Like they're having fights in the background or we take whatever is in that town. So when you ask me what I do murals about, I did one for a, a Philadelphia Walmart, but then I'd go down to like Tires or Us and they want a Corvette smashing through the wall with tires flying off. And I'm like, I got you. <laughs> 
So that's fantastic. That really is. I, I mean, it's, 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 it's such a wonderful story. So how did you then go? You, you got into the, you got into the, you travel up and down the country. Yeah. But you got married and you know, you got into this horrific car accident and then you went down to Walt Disney world. How soon after that visit to Walt Disney world, did you get hired to do animation art down there? 33 days. 33 Whoa. days. Yes, I, went so, I went home and sold everything I had. Talked to my wife. She said, I'll follow you anywhere. If you want to move to Disney World, you belong here. Nobody loves this place more than you. you. You're the greatest artist I've ever met. Why won't you just try? And I said, come on, there's a 20 year waiting list and they got geniuses here. And, you know, I'm just a street rat from Philadelphia. Why would they give me a chance? But for 30 days, I had to do physical therapy for my leg. So walking through Disney helped. I got to get the muscle. Sure. So I went home and when my family was asleep, I paced around my couch and thought, how could I talk myself into a job at Walt Disney World where I could draw? That's all I had to do yeah. was get to be able to draw. Once I was in, I knew I had the energy and the heart and the knowledge to climb up. I have all the education, eight years of art school, four years of engineering school. You know, I won the art award all four years in high school. Like I, I'm a creative person. That's what yeah. I did. Wait, where did. By the way, where did you go to art school? Hushin School of Art, Fleischer Art Memorial, Moore College of Art. See, I would take once I once I got my bachelor's degree, I would take other subjects just for my own personal knowledge. Sure. I would get any book that I could get my hand on. And while I'm in one class listening to engineering, I'm scanning through like uh, drawing on the right side of the brain at the same time. I, I'm a little manic. Yes, that's true. That, <laughs> and and that, that's a good thing, I think. Well, I had a good uh, use. I, I, I view that as, as a positive. I like build birdhouses all day. So, you know? so, so 33 days after you visit Walt Disney World so I'll tell you, recovering so from this. So tell us what happened. Who did you, right, so go how did you do this? World. And you know, once you come back from Disney World, you still have like that pixie dust all over you, even for like a couple of weeks. But when she said, I'll follow you anywhere, that kind of support, I started telling my friends, but at night I would pace and I would think how I could do it. And I thought of this really clever way to draw Mickey Mouse that the guests would love. So I knew if I could show the people at casting that, the people at casting never get to see anything because they're away from the parks. They're across the street from, you know, downtown Disney, which is Disney Springs now. And they're just cast members too, but they're not around the parades, the shows, the rides, the guests, nothing. They're just hiring people and it's a whole thing. And I've never been there, but I imagined it must be like that. And sure enough, it was with so much more. There's murals in there and everything. But anyway, I went in and I had the girl that was the recruiter, but I went in in a suit and tie. And I was in my thirties and I looked like I was serious. And I said, Oh honey, can we get your manager? What I want to, I've worked on this for a month. So it took me 30 days to think about it, three days to drive there. And I didn't even have a house to live in. I didn't have anything. I had my family, my two little babies, my two dogs, my wife, and all of our belongings in a car and a U-Haul. So wow. I had to get changed out of my shorts and t-shirts that I drove in into a suit, walked in and I did that in the parking lot of casting putting on that suit, I walk into casting <laughs> and I was so blown away. I walk into somewhere like I love Disney's dream. I love what he tried to do for the people of this planet. I love that bringing families together to help them escape from the problems in the world, which we see today. There are so many that if you could go to a place where mom and dad and son and daughter could all ride on a ride together, you'd experience it and grow it together from different views. And you get to see that as a, the inner functions of your family. And there's something so special about that. Then you take couples that want to go, or you take two siblings that are old enough that they can go explore Disney on their own because it's a safe place. And there's so many things around each corner. So being a really observant person and falling in love with the place, it was a dream. I just thought it was too big to fulfill it. That's why I wrote this book. 
I wrote this book called Extraordinary Everyday Magic because honestly, extra is God. You know, I prayed a lot when I did it. Ordinary every day, that's me. And magic was Walt. And this is magic. This is Walt on the day I was born, October 25th, 1966. But he knew he was sick and had to go to the hospital soon. So he would come down from the steps outside Disneyland. And in late October, he knew these were the last time he's going to get to see those fireworks at the end of the show. So he'd sneak down the steps and he'd look out and watch the last fireworks show and listen to the people as they exit the park and the things they said. As somebody who built it all, it's kind of interesting to hear what people say and how they enjoy sure. it. So in the book, it tells what happens when he makes this wish because I was born at 11, 11 p.m. And that's right when the last firework show ends and those embers go out. Just enough time for Walter. Here's a guest say, Daddy, I made a wish. This is the place to do it, he tells her. And he hears that and says, you know what? I won't be here much longer. It's time for me to make a wish. He makes that wish. And then poof, I was born. Then Walt Disney World, his dream opens on my birthday five years later. And I'm there as a five-year-old boy. I go all these times. Then I go and I, it worked. I went into casting and I said, could you get your manager as politely as I could? I said, I love you. She was like this cute little Cinderella type little girl that yeah. was a hiring you know, intern or whatever you would call them. Very important person. I'm not trying to belittle what she's doing, but she was half my age and she was yeah. trying to interview me for a job. And you wanted to go right to the top. Well, I didn't want to do something for everybody and have the manager miss it because it wouldn't have the same effect if I had to do it twice. Sure. It was sure. one chance I had for this to work was to skip yeah. through all the crap and make myself known as someone really sweet, family friendly, that understood art like they never heard of before and could take a character I love and bring them to life and teach other people how to do it in 20 minutes. So she brings the manager out and... I go around the room and I get everybody a piece of paper and a pen. I excuse myself. I'm very polite about it. I say, could you just help me? I've been working on something for a month and I need a test audience to show. It's, we're just going to draw Mickey Mouse, but would you join me? I found a really cool way to do it. I know I can show you. It might only take 15 minutes, but if you don't mind, this is one of those moments you may never get again. And here we are on Disney property. Let's make a little magic for the casting center today. With those words said, oh, they just fell into place. People were scrambling. People were writing on copy machines and people were leaning on desks and writing on each other's back. It was so great. So the manager comes out. She's got the pen in her mouth and she's just kind of watching, just like I asked. And I went on to tell about how you could draw Mickey Mouse. To do that, remember, I had already paced for 30 nights in my house, walking around yeah. my couch, talking to Walt, praying to God, thinking, how can I make this impossible thing happen? And it worked. I just got really lucky and it worked. By October 25th of that year, I had my, I was assessed as a Mickey Mouse artist and I could draw Mickey Mouse for anybody off property, anywhere I wanted. I signed a, a license that I could draw Mickey and then you had to go up the list. And once you get to like 17 characters, then you're able to draw whatever you want. And they give you the stamp it. It's just copyright Disney. And yeah. so they take it away from you because it's knowledge that you get. You're trained on it. But I already knew how to draw. You know, I, I went to all the schooling and engineering. Sure. So when they put me, they said, so they, they put me where the animation courtyard is, of course. And they got, they gave me the job. They said, can you start Tuesday? So it took 30 <laughs> days and three days to drive down. And I got the job the day I got down there. And then I started on Tuesday, which gave me the weekend to go get a house with my wow, wife. Wow. I got that is, that's a great story. I got to the car and I said to my wife, I said, I was like shaking and crying. I'm like, I did it. It worked. Oh my God. I can't believe this is magic. Walt must be watching me. And from then on for the rest of my career, I didn't do anything yet. I said, you know what? That's something I work every day is if Walt himself were watching me. That way I'm always keep myself flying straight. I'm always looking for ways to improve the park. I like the things that work in the park and I don't try to improve them. I just try to enjoy them. And I try to get other people's magic to come out of them because everybody so, in them. So, so when you started that job was, it like a full-time 40 hour a week job and were your hours yeah. kind of all over the place? Like I was a rock star. There's only 12 people in all of Walt Disney world with the license to do that. Right. 
And, 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 and did you move around to the different parks or were you in no, one I didn't place? Need to. There was a full influx of guests coming in every hour. The whole Hollywood studios was open. So okay. you run one ride, go another attraction. And all of a sudden now you get to, I also had to work with Eddie Murphy's voice in with Mushu as right. me and Mushu put a presentation on, on stage about, animation and how it's done the whole oh, process yeah. Oh, yeah. which i studied all through school and i know i went to sure. to philadelphia artists institute too just for animation yeah. so when i came out of there with that certificate i got the point of it but i've been doing it before i even went to art school honestly i've been doing it since i was a five-year-old boy but by the way i i, I want to just interject this because you said you were from philadelphia earlier in our conversation right. and and philadelphia is a city that has like one it's one of the 185 girls that's right it has <laughs> it has yes. the like one of the most most, the most uh, murals, murals in a city yeah. in uh, and, and there's actually i think there's a guy there's, there's an online guide to it yeah. uh yeah. and i think there's a book out on it if i'm yeah. not mistaken yeah yeah. yeah yeah did you do any of those murals absolutely absolutely okay there's a giant flag there's one on spring garden i worked yeah. with the mural arts uh the mural arts company in philadelphia when i was in there and I actually taught people to do it. So I didn't have to run the scaffolding. Honestly, I, I, I think that's fantastic. I really do because it, yeah, it's like every, 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 every city has to grab onto something that's part of their soul. That's and beautiful. for me, right. Philadelphia, right. part of their soul is aside from the Philly cheesesteak uh, <laughs> is, uh, is all these murals, which is yeah. fantastic. It just, it, it yeah. just, they're surprises. You go around the bend and you see one and it's a surprise. A lot of times, some of the students that would do that never had a chance to go to art school. Like I did or right. never had a chance. They just, their life didn't work out that way, but God bless them. They had plenty of talent and all they needed was someone to say, Hey, Come on, just try. Try it this way. Come on, you can do this. Try it again. Watch. Yeah. And then when they do it, they feel like a whole different person. And you see like that fuse was lit inside them that was going to get to superhero. So you know you've lit the fuse. And then they're like, well, what about this? I'm like, no, no, no. Don't try it like that. Here, I introduce a new tool to them. I'll say, now watch how we just do this. Just bring this technique over like this and look at that effect you get. They're like, what? You can watch their brains explode. It's so much fun. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we, we skidded off the road there, but I had to bring that up about the murals yeah, in Philadelphia. But yeah. I, I want to bring us back because now now you are working as an animation artist at Walt Disney World. And how long how long did you do that before you started to cross over into Imagineering? All right. Well, so life is funny. I got to tell you that. Remember I said about God is a part of it and all that stuff. So I for two years, I did that with the most joy in my heart I've ever had. It was the most fun job I've ever had because I got to stand on stage and give the presentation about what animation is with Mike, with, with Mushu and Eddie Murphy, where I had lines and he had lines. And we had a whole script and we went through it, but I got to sketch while they're watching the preview of the next movie come out. And then I got to give my sketch to a little kid in the audience. So that was always a lot of fun for me. That took about 15 minutes. Then I'd meet them over in the animation Academy. After they go through a bunch of animation computers out in the lobby, they'd come into my class. Once they come into my class, and it only held 38 people, but I put 50 in every time. I didn't care. Sit on the floor. Here's a lap board. Sit back there on those benches. Yeah, I, mean, I was not going to. So it was always standing room only. 
Pretty much, yeah. Because which is awesome, great. Like I'd have you come in, and I'd be like, "Hi, everybody, welcome to Walt Disney World." But that's where my script ended with them. They gave me a script in the beginning, and it didn't really work for me. So I kind of modeled my own after it. They would never let you do that these days. But for me, for some reason, I got away with a lot of stuff because I'm just like I am now with you. So I'd say, "Come on and sit down." But I'd be mindful of the little ones and see where who's going to sit where. And I control the whole class and say, "Where are you from? And where are you from?" Most artists, the other artists, would spend the every minute sketching and drawing. I did. Yeah. I found out where my fans were from, my guests were from. They're from Egypt, Germany, and London, and Canada, and, you know, New Guinea. They were from all over the place. And most of them, some of them, didn't speak English at all. But they didn't have to, because I would get that right away, and then I would clarify my class to show them a little bit more clearly or articulate. So, so now I have the class on my side because for five minutes, we got to know each other. We're part of something. And then I let them know that Mickey Mouse has been around for almost a hundred years now. Back then it was like, he's been around for 90 years. Yeah. And I said, and there have been great artists. And I mean, I couldn't carry their lunch boxes and I'm super talented. And I'm just telling you the truth. My name's Timmy Brand. I've been doing this my whole life. And there's artists that I couldn't carry their lunch box that have been doing this. And in their honor and every artist that's ever made an animation that's drawn this wonderful character that is known around the world today in the next 20 minutes, you're going to get to be a part of that tradition and sign a piece of work that you did yourself. You'll go home and show people. And when you show it to anybody on the planet, I don't care if you're five years old or you're 105 years old. If you take my class, you'll be able to show it to anyone in the world. And they'll say, that's Mickey Mouse. And that's character recognition. And that makes you a Disney animation artist, at least for today. So be proud of yourselves. Now I have my drawing. I can give out to somebody special. So knowing that I'll always pick the oldest person in the class because the kids get everything in Walt Disney World, but grandma pays for it or grandpa pays for it. So I know that if you make a grandma happy, that might be the moment of her whole vacation that really shines because I'm going to make a big deal out of her. So I say, I want to give this to the wisest person in the class. I don't say oldest, of course. The wisest would be the person who had the latest oldest birthday. So I'd say, who can beat 55? And then somebody would say 70. Somebody say 73. And then you hear an old lady, I'm 87. And the whole (laughs) class watched You're going to walk home with my class, with my drawing today. Now she gives it to her six-year-old nephew. Who cares? But the class is bonded. Now we met in the beginning. We draw the character. Then they all come up and ask for autographs. I have to get ready for the next class. So it was really, I had to be really smooth with it. And so in that way, I learned to really just, if you don't say no to people when you're adult, well, Disney World, you're a cast member. If you can just get things accomplished for people, they're there to have fun. They're Absolutely. there to enjoy things. When I knew, once I got real popular, I started to know everybody. So that means managers were doing me favors in other parks. I'd call managers of other parks and say, I want to send over this little girl. She's missed Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse all week. I know she'll be a chef, Mickey. Is there any way she'll be wearing this? Could you make a big deal? Sure enough. The little girl comes back the next yeah. day to thank me. Minnie Mouse did a line dance with her, made a big deal. They got pictures. Pluto licked her head. It was amazing. You know, that kind of magic that you just can't forget. So I got all that. And, and, and you know what? That That's really what it's all about. You know, I mean, what, what, what you, what, what you, yeah, what you were just talking about is, is what it was all about. It, it was, it was touching people, you know, yeah, not physically, but, but touching them in ways that made them happy. And too. Yeah. I take my drawing away. So imagine if there's eight hours in a day and I do two classes an hour, that's 16 sketches I got to give out in the world. The other artists didn't like to give them out. A lot of Imagineers, it's true. Once you have that much money, you pay that much money for your education. It's yeah. not really wise to give it away. You know, a lot of the Imagineers would do their work, but if you ask them questions, now they didn't answer me. But like if anyone else, a layperson or a citizen, they wouldn't go out in the world and give it away like that because they see how valuable it is. And I can't say I blame them for that. All I can pity them because they're missing so much. When you share your knowledge with other people, the rewards that you give back on what you learn in return, 
is way more valuable than whatever you paid for your education. I promise you. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you're, you're working at Walt Disney world. Yeah. How, how do you cross out of that and just start right. to become a freelancer and, and set well, up the Jimmy Brick studios? This is why I wrote this book and this, I'm just going to tell you a part. So, ugh. This is reality now, and it's a family show, so we want to keep it family and real. I'm doing great at Disney World. I'm winning every award that they have. I'm on TV. I'm on their in the eyes and ears. I'm just this big. Not, and I'm not bragging here. It's just what happened to me. No, no. I mean, that's your story. It's your story. Be proud of it. But then my mom calls me and says, your brother's up here in Philadelphia, and he got in with the wrong crowd. Is there any way you have that big house in Kissimmee? You have the pool and the, the gated community. You know, you'd be in control of everything, but we got to get him out of the city. Yeah. You say, absolutely, mom. I actually have an extra bedroom too. bring them down and we'll get them cleaned up and we'll straighten them up and we'll kind of have an intervention. Uh, so I'm at work. And after a few months, this seems like it's working. But then like my wife starts to change. I start to see changes in my wife, not my brother, but my wife. Apparently he had someone from up north mail prescription medicine down to him through the mail. Ooh. And when she caught him, instead of telling me, he convinced her that she should take one too. And I didn't know when I met her years and years and years ago that she already had a really bad problem with, with prescription medicine. Wow. And she fought it and beat it and became this great woman and this great wife. And he didn't know it. But once they started sharing that secret, it led to other things and led to other things. And I'm not stupid. You can tell that. So I set them up to finally catch them together. It's a horrible story. I'm sorry, it's a family show. But that just goes to show you why I wrote the book. Because after I overcame losing my wife and my kids, what happened was, and this is the truth, my wife said, I don't feel right, I need to go to the hospital. So we went to the Celebration Hospital and I get really weird in hospitals. It's, ugh, I don't like being in hospitals, honestly. So I couldn't be more real and honest about that, the way I reacted to that, but hospitals, they just give me, you know, but this is the Celebration Hospital, it's filled with paintings of Jesus and it's very, you know, it's very calm and soothing. So while we're in this room waiting for a doctor to find out what this mass is in her throat, because I'm worried about her, I know that she's changed and I see the changes, but I didn't really know what was going on until I caught them. You can't accuse your wife and your own brother of some of the most unspeakable things. So before I did it, I want to make sure all my ducks were in a row because I was suspicious something was going on. She changed completely. Yeah. And, and he wasn't getting any better. So what's going on here? You know, we didn't know any drug dealers. So where are they coming from? So I have two little babies at, at home with two puppies. I'm trying to raise a family. And I'm a rock star Walt Disney World now, and I don't need this in my life if you're going to be a goofball. But so because I went down to Disney World, I guess I, I had such a, a wonderful career. I, I come home from work and grab my two kids and take them with me. But my wife and my brother didn't want to go. So I'd work all day, then take my kids to Epcot or take my kids to Animal Kingdom or take my yeah. kids, you know, to one of the water parks or something, you know, Typhoon Lagoon. We'd have so much fun. It was amazing. So I had a great time with my kids. But then... Uh, when we were at the hospital, I went and found a chapel in Celebration Hospital and it was empty. There was only thing there was a pedestal with a book on it. And I said prayers and I'm worried about my wife. And then I go back before leaving. You got to pass the, the book on the pedestal before you go out the door. Mm -hmm. So I see it and I just look over and there's a pen. And I'm thinking, oh, I could write something really happy for God, you know, just because it's I'm a spiritual guy that way. You know, I don't really you won't really see me in church, but you always see the church inside me. I don't know what to tell you about that. You know, I'm a busy guy, but. So I read the book. I look at it before I read it and I start reading it. And there's all these people. Could you please bring back my son? Save my daughter, my husband's leg. Like it was so heartbreaking. I wasn't ready for that. Mm -hmm. So I picked up the pen and I said, dear God, you've given me every blessing I could ask for. I have a beautiful wife, beautiful kids. 
I don't know what's going on, but my career is amazing. I followed my dreams. It worked. And then here in this book, I'm reading all these people that have lost so much. Could you please, and this is, this is what, this is my proof that God listens. I said, could you please take my blessings and give them to these people in the book? Cause I already have everything I need. And the next week, not, not even seven days went by. I caught my wife with my brother. They stole my kids from Florida back to New Jersey to live in Camden and try to sell drugs. That's how bad it got. And I didn't know mm. that. I had, had, Disney gave me a promotion to, to work in entertainment, to work on some of the ads and stuff instead of just working on the stage with the guests. So my life at Disney was going great. And my life at home was gone. They stole my children across the lines. So I had to tell Disney I had to leave, but here's what Disney did for me. They said, Timmy, you're an important part of our family here. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, it's not a great world outside the gates. And you know that I said, I do know that obviously outside the gates of Disney world, Magic is hard to find sometimes, even in an animator's life. You know, you, you can attest to that. We've all sure. had happen to yeah. us. But I had to go get my kids and, and my other dog. She left me with my own dog. That's it. And her dog she took, and those two dogs were in love. It was a horrible thing to happen to somebody. But I asked God to give my blessings away, and sure enough, he did. And I had to go back home, fight through courts to get my kids, working in a seafood part of a, of a supermarket just to make 186 bucks a week so that I could pay $173 of it to my wife and my brother because they stole my kids and got a three-month head start. What Disney did for me was they said, to me, this is traumatic. You know, I caught them together. I put yeah, yeah. Yeah. I punched my brother right in the face. Her never, I never ate a girl in my life. And that's, that's true. So let me ask you this. Uh, oh, wait, I wait, mean wait, that, wait. Yeah, go ahead. So I don't want to leave it on that note. So I yeah. go up north and I need something to do, but I had to get established. So from my parents' computer room, now remember I have 70 applause grams, 68 guest service fanatic awards, the spirited Disney award three times. I'm in the eyes and ears. And I have fans all over the world and I'm living in my dad's computer room because of my wife. She took everything I owned and left me with nothing wow. to run and try to sell drugs with my brother, my own brother. Right. Yeah. So imagine that's why I have this book because so, I'm not so, so I go up North and I start working for Canon, the business solution company. And sure. I'm a bright guy. I have a lot of skills. I can work on anything really as a mechanic, as an artist, as, as a salesman, I'm good at lots of stuff. So I had my kids and I had my talent. And I'm in gray, cold New Jersey. After being on stage in Walt Disney World and having the dream job, yeah. it was all taken from me. So I really had a hard time with it, man. But I realized what God was saying. He was saying, I got you, Timmy. Your gifts are given to you for a reason because I'm God. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. These other people, I got them too. This book was for you to ask for something. So I went through all this stuff. Then my dog finally passes away. And my kids said, Daddy, we miss Walt Disney World. I said, you know what? I do too. Life was great down there, guys, but I got to be here with you. They said, well, we're older now, and we stayed in the same school this whole time, and it's a really good school in New Jersey. That's one thing about New Jersey. They got great schools. Yeah. Cold and gray, but they got great education. So I said, okay. And I said, well, now I'm going to go back down. Now all I had was my dog's ashes, my, a kiss from each of my kids, and a promise that every summer they'd spend with me in Florida because when I won in court, I got full custody of my kids back. Sure. Of course I did. So I gave her – I made I, instead of them going to jail even – I sent them to treatment so they both could save their lives. It worked for Good. her. It worked for her. And of course they broke up once reality kicked in. Yeah. Yeah. Mom said to say, you know, his life is just, he's, he's got problems, my brother. Wow. So, but I've forgiven them both and that's fine because I went on to meet other people and have a most amazing life. But my kids go back to Jersey. And, and did you, did you go back down to Orlando and, uh, and, did you, and, and did you start working for Disney again? Disney told me when, before I left, 
Don't go chasing it right now. You're filled with emotions. Why don't we send you to a therapist for three months and you just go to group therapy and we'll pay your salary and you don't have to even be here. If you do that to me, you will always hold your job for you because we can't have you go up there and let's say the fight starts again and you murder one of them. Now a Disney animation artist has right. murdered his wife. It just doesn't look awesome. oh, Not a good look. No. Look at all your, yeah, look at all your awards. We need you yeah. back here. Sure. So I said, if you but, save my job for me and let me go get my kids, I'll be back. And they did. For the next year, I went back for vacation. The yeah. year that, the year for that. But by the fourth year, animation and moved back to California and they took it out of Hollywood studios and the job was gone. So there's no job to offer me. When I got back then, I'm like dog's ashes and $5,000 I borrowed and kisses from both my kids. Yeah. I didn't know what I was going to do when I got there. Cause I, they knew who I was and they said, yeah, but the only full-time job we have for you is being a busboy in the animal kingdom lodge, man. Wow. So I took it. I wanted my ID. Okay. I wanted to climb back up to Imagineering cause it was the only job left. Little did I know that as my dad forced me to go to engineering school against my will because I just wanted to be an artist. You know, I was Picasso, I was Rembrandt, I was whatever. He said, no, 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 you'll never make it as an artist. You become get a degree in engineering so that we can always do something else. So I took a degree, I got a degree in building systems engineering and that's how you build stuff. Carpentry, electricity, plumbing, yeah. you know, uh, air conditioning, uh, heating, uh, security, locksmithing, egress, bathroom, everything that you can think of to run a, a tall, uh, center city building, I can fix and build and change and move and do. So that's what that taught me. I never thought it would happen that when I went down to Disney, I got a chance to, so, so I get this job and I'm a busboy at the, at the animal kingdom lodge and I get fired for the first time in my life from Walt Disney world because I drew a Minnie mouse for a little girl who was upset. And when they left, they thanked the concierge and the concierge called my manager and said, one of your busboys just drew a Minnie mouse for somebody. They didn't know I had a license to do it. They didn't, I didn't tell them yeah. just went and did my job. But when the situation came up, I rose above and beyond and helped a crying little girl yeah. in her vacation. So her mom thanked them, but the concierge called my, my boss. Now my boss by this point said to me, you're too qualified for this job. You know that, right? Look at you. We didn't know who you were. We did a little research. We found out who you were. There's a woman from Guatemala in a hotel with three kids that needs this job. Yeah. So we're going to tell you that we don't want to do this, but we have to fire you to do it because you're in the union. So you're within your 90 days. And on the 89th day, they fired me to come back, try Imagineering another way. They said, this isn't the way you don't belong in the basement. Wow. Wow. And, and so, so I've you, never been fired from a job in my life. I was very happy. They were right. It was a polite ending. <laughs> it was a polite ending. I said, can I go golfing? They said, absolutely. That job was terrible. I had to walk for miles in these shoes. <laughs> you know what guests throw in those pins? Diapers. I can't tell you what else they throw in there. Like, you know, things parents would use. They have like half-eaten cookies, cake, milk, ice cream, cigarette butts. It was all in there. And I <laughs> right, the start of animation, moving this stuff, hiding in an elevator room so the guests don't see it, for God's sake. But as I was working there, I did have a little fun. I'd walk by and the Animal Kingdom Lodge is really spectacular. They have animals walking outside the windows. Yeah, yeah. Right, right by your room. So yeah, I no, I, I've, I've, stayed there, I've stayed there a number of times. It's a right. pretty spectacular place. How long are those hallways? Though, right uh, when you're walking down those long hallways oh we're wrapping it up already there's yeah. so much to tell you guys we didn't even get into it oh no. no but but hold on a second so no, so I, I i just want to i just want to just uh say that because we're, 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 we're having a good time i, no, I just we are wanna, having a good time i, I, I do Timmy, I, I told you guys i, I know but i i want to ask you this question because you know you you did your thing at walt disney world but you you left eventually and you set up timmy Britt studios well, that didn't happen until after I left the second time. 
Right. That's what I, that's why I want to, I want to, I want to kind of, I want to kind of get to that quickly because I then want to talk about what you're doing now with Kyle. So that's what I want to try and get us to okay. quickly. Okay. If so we can wrap up the life story part. Yeah. 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 So what happens is I, uh, I get fired and I go out for my birthday, October 25th again. And I'm with my buddies and I'm a big Dallas Cowboy fan, honestly. So there's a bunch of us that are, I mean, it's like the Cowboys nation we'd meet on Sundays. It just happened to be my birthday. So I, the guys meet with me and he's like, so I heard you can draw. I said, well, I know my way around a pencil, you know, just being modest. And I, what am I going to do? He said, could you draw Mickey Mouse as a Cowboys fan? Now I signed an agreement with Disney that I can't alter the characters. I can't have them smoking or cursing or wearing something that wouldn't be appropriate. I have to keep them to the true form of the characters. So then legitimate, then I can stamp it and say that's a piece of Disney artwork. But Sorcerer Mickey has stars on a blue hat. And so do Dallas Cowboys. So I just drew a Sorcerer Mickey and said, there you go. There's proof that he's a Dallas Cowboy fan. And this dude freaked out. He said, all right, guess what? I have this friend of mine. She's got this project. She needs people that can paint. I've seen your portfolio. I looked you up. Give her a call. I give her a call. And it's the woman who's working for J.K. Rowling to build all the Harry Potter studios. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. So now I'm building Diagon Alley, Hogsworth, Hogsmeade. Then I went, then Disney found out. I said, no, no, no. They brought me over. I built Frozen, you know, Toy Story, uh, uh, Kilimanjaro, uh, you know, the ride, the safari ride, yeah. the little enclosures, Starbucks, all of Main Street, the castle. I built all of Agrabah in Disney World. And then uh, uh, over at Epcot, I got to uh, do the Ratatouille and the entrances and exits. All the, place. Uh-huh. Did the entire Polynesian, the volcano in the pool, the bar. I was just painting like crazy. Once they gave me a chance, Disney got, gave me to come back. But then Universal said, well, between projects, can you come help us with Fast and Furious? and King Kong and right. the Volcano Bay. So for 15 years, I'm going back and forth between the parks, painting my butt off. Like I said, Walt was watching me every day. So once I got that first opportunity, no matter which park I worked in, I worked as hard as I could with the most talent I had. I wasn't trying to make one better than the other. Sure. They love each other. They're, Universal Studios is one of the coolest. You, you, you gave 100% to, to whoever your client was. And, and I guess the question I was going to ask you is while you were doing that, were you, were you doing that as a freelancer then? We, we oh, I, worked I worked for Disney. Oh, so you just bounce back and forth and you. Yeah, you, but there's a project over. That's why yeah. I have a honorary on the back of my imaginary helmet because yeah. I can come back anytime I, I want. I, I, I have, have one of those too. I, 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 I have honorary on the back of an imagineering uh, hard hat as well. There, there you go. go. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pointing in my office. I, I should go pull it out of the closet. <laughs> you should. You should put a picture up about it. I know. Uh, it's pretty cool. That's amazing. Well, okay. And I want to leave the imaginary thing and tell you where we're Right now that I always felt when I was there, so grateful and humble to be in every position that Walt Disney World gave me. Yeah. I looked at all the people around me and I was really observant. So I'm a student of people. So when I learn what other people are doing, I grasp it really fast. So I could learn from all these geniuses, first of all, but none of those guys were ever in animation. So I got to be in animation and because of my 3D and sculpting and all that and understanding of storytelling and form building and model building, you know, through the whole course of my life, I've got to do a lot of stuff and study yeah. a lot of things. So Imagineering is perfect for me. Then with my building systems engineering degree, I could go and understand why this path has to be tilted this way so the rainwater can run down into the drain. Like other people just think it's a it's a sidewalk. No, it's not. There's tripping hazards and there's there's railings and there's lights and there's sound. You have to hide the speakers. There's sure. so much stuff you have to do. And then there's the scenic art. You have to carve. I carved the floating mountains of Pandora. I did all of Pandora. And the vines, and then painted them, and then the queue and everything. You know, I got to ride that first, the flight of passage. 
But then Universal called me and said, we have one more Harry Potter park to do. It's called Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure. And I said, oh, because I was all lined up to do Star Wars, which is a yeah. huge thing. But I did the other four parts of Harry Potter. I had to do the fifth point of the star. Sure. But I got to build my own team. I ended up winning Roller Coaster of the Year for 2019. And we have the biggest mural since I did murals in my whole life. When yeah. I said mural, I trained these people up that never did it before, but showed them step by step how to do it, like Bob Ross style. And we painted the biggest mural on the East Coast all the way to the Mississippi River. It's amazing. Wow. And these girls are now all art directors and rock stars in their own right. Yeah. So I got to see people that really deserved a chance that were overlooked and build them up. And then when they were done, they were trained. I sent them over to Star Wars and they put the finishing touches on Star Wars for me. So and, and, it was really and, cool. And, and so at that point, you're are you, you're freelancing, I'm imagining, and you've got Timmy. Oh, no, no. What happens or what happens is companies, Disney will hire a company like KHSNS or Costa Wisconsin, and you could be the art director for them. And then Disney would work with their Imagineers through you, or yeah. you'd be an Imagineer. Just like in, in Universal Creative, you'd be in part of Universal Creative or Universal sure. Creative and say, here's what we want it to look like and hand it to me. And then I take it yeah. from KHSNS, build a team of artists underneath me to yeah. bring JK Rowling standards or, or yeah. James Cameron standards, you know, things like that. So we'd work with the art directors from the movies because they want to have a certain look for the, for the park. Yeah. Because in the movies, it's styrofoam and hidden stuff and there's ways to make things film a lot easier and cost effective. But in Walt Disney World and in Universal Studios, people have to walk up and touch it and it can't fall down. Right. So, right. and then you got to keep it clean and use it in ways that when they touch yeah. it, what we call people varnish doesn't get all over our work because people sure. touch the walls. Have you ever noticed any of the attractions that people oh. don't take care of it or look at? Trust, trust me, I've worked on some of the attractions yeah. at the park. Yeah. <laughs> I've walked through them uh, when, you know, when they were shut down and uh, and it's it's crazy some of the stuff that goes, that that people do within those attractions. It's really... Oh, I, yeah, it's wow. not very family to talk about it, but people are people. Yeah. Even if you fully immerse them in the most magical thing in the world, they still are people. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's there's crazy. still smuggles in every group. You know? Yeah. So, so now let me, let me ask you this. What do you, what are you doing now? Because there, there's a gentleman sitting next to you, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, and and He's Kyle, a star. I'm telling yeah, you right Kyle, now, Kyle <laughs> Maynard. So Kyle, why, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself? Cause right, I don't know you. And, and why don't you just quickly introduce yourself? And then we could talk about what you guys are partnering on now. So at, when I was an Imagineer doing Pandora, I met Kyle. After that, I still did Harry, uh, Harry Potter's. And now how did you guys meet? So a friend of ours was a friend of mine. She wanted to run an art show. So one of my students came to me and said, I'm part of an art show. I want you to meet this other person. She was this big director from California. So she says, hey, I'm friends with Kyle Maynard. I just met him. We were at my, you know, he's buddies with Mike Tyson, this guy. He knows everybody. So she said, he really wants to meet you. I didn't know that Kyle had this thing about Imagineering, how, he, you know, the way we think he fascinates him. So he made a point to just become a meet me. So the pandemic happens. Let me finish. And Disney fires all the artists and all the creative part. And right. So one of the people that came to one of my classes when I was back in animation turned out to be this amazing writer. So she contacts me and says, move to Dallas with me and I'll ghostwrite your book for you. And it has 50 drawings in it and 50 chapters. And we finished it by the 50th anniversary. So then she took the book on my birthday. I went back to Disney for the 50th anniversary for my birthday. Yeah. She took my book and they're not doing autographs or meet and greets. She somehow got every character 
She took my book away from me and disappeared for two hours. <laughs> Every page of my book on my birthday, 50 years later, when that was over, once the book was out, I went to Disney world, did that in October. Kyle and I kept in touch for the last five years and he got to a place where he's been all over the world now. And yeah. But, but uh, so you met Kyle through a friend. Yeah. Right. So Kyle, I want you, I, I want you to tell us a little bit about your life story because I, it's pretty fascinating and we can also probably uh, laugh a little bit because I I actually thought you were somebody that I had seen in an interview in Australia. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's so, actually, so go ahead, Kyle. Just talk, talk a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So uh, basically I was born a quad amputee. So that means effectively that my arms end at the elbows and my legs end at the knees. And I grew up with awesome parents that just had the perspective of to try to you know make life as normal as possible. So there was not really any known cause for what happened when I was born. It was a uh, you know normal ultrasounds, normal pregnancy, normal first birth, and then up until the moment that I was born, then it was a big surprise. And it, you know then things changed dramatically. So it was uh, you know at that point it, you know it was just they had to figure out how to help me do things. You know from you know figuring out how to go and eat to uh, a whole bunch of other things. Getting so, dressed, going to the bathroom. Sorry, yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah, totally. No, not at all. It's it's awesome though too. So I think you know one of the uh, to get back to, I'll get back to my story in a second, but I wanted to go and say too, what people don't see with him, I mean, you, you see this like creative beast and this monster of energy <laughs> and love and creativity. I call him like my Phil Jackson. Like he's like, he's a coach, you know, and like yeah. a mentor and a brother and, you know, it's helped me a lot, but people, what they don't necessarily see is his engineering mind too. He's got an engineering degree. And so I came from a family of engineers. My dad was an engineer. My grandpa's an engineer. My grandpa's actually on the patent for the uh, fax machine. And wow. So, That's awesome. So, yeah, it was a Magnavox contract back in the day. And, wow. uh, you know, it was a lot of like RFID type stuff and all that. And so it's like that engineering side of the brain has always been really important to me to go and figure out how to go and do things like put on a pair of socks, um, you know, took 45 minutes to put on my socks for the first time. And then, you know, got it to a point where I, I you know, was using paper clips and things like that as like fishing hooks to go and pull the sock on. And then eventually, you know, got it to a place where I could do it without the paper clips and do it to like close to maybe you know, takes now like five to 10 seconds, you know? So it's like yeah. some things are really hard to do to figure out how to go and do it first. When I first started mountain climbing, so I, you know, got into like, you know, jujitsu, mountain climbing, wrestling, like I, everything that I started, I was really, really bad at first. So that was kind of the common thing. It's just, I was really, really bad at first and then gradually got better. I had him golfing the other day. That's yeah, awesome. So hit him 75 yards, this guy. He, the next day, he has a bruise the size of like a watermelon on the side. Which he noticed. Yeah. Hey, where'd you get the bruise? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> I didn't tell you, that was from every time I swayed in the club, I was bruising myself. He never made it. He never wow. could. Well, I would have been like, no, thanks. You know, not him. No. Whack him, whack him, whack until he gets at 80 yards in the third ring of the thing to beat me by three points at Topgolf, this guy right here. So <laughs> I'm a golfer. But he's also, too, he's trying to, you know, I think the cool thing about the way that he thinks, you know, I think with the way that a lot of imagineers think, too, if you think about it, you know, it's like a problem-solving mentality, right? Like, they're very much more of, like, you know, that problem-solving thing. People don't see, you know, they, they see the creative side of an imagineer, but they don't necessarily go and see, like, how good they are at solving different problems and doing different things. So he's immediately going and thinking about like different ways that he could go and rig up a golf club to go and help me golf. Yeah. Sure. So it's pretty, pretty wild, you know, and now that we're roommates and like starting this company together, it's, it's exciting. You know, we want to go, we got this big, yeah. gorgeous house in Georgia. So, so, bedrooms so, and we know what to do with. So, so tell, tell, tell our audience real quickly, cause we're, we're starting to bump up against time. Yeah. Uh, to tell our audience uh, what it is you guys are doing together. What, what is, uh, what is this new company you're forming? 
Yeah. So a big part of the vision is to basically, you know, we've, we've been formulating a lot of this for, for a while, right? I've, I've wanted to go and do something that effectively made a difference for people after I go in and give a speech, right? A lot of time when I go and give a speech, I go and tell my story and I go and leave. And there's not really any like actionable takeaway. One of my mentors told me one time, he said that like, you said, you know, you do a really good job of like basically getting every, you know, motivated, like pumped up, ready to go, ready, you know, to go and jump off the diving board, but then you don't teach them anything on how to jump. Right. Or how to swim. So or how to swim and all but, the- And you've written a book, Kyle, right? You, you wrote yeah. a book as well. No what, what, what's the name of your book? It's called no excuses. Right. And, and so you, you actually have that as a takeaway when you go out speaking, right? Yeah. So, but there's also, you know, I mean, when you read a book versus like when you have an experience with somebody, yeah. it's it's a totally book and a coach. Yeah. yeah. So it's, he, he now wants to coach and help and guide and lead and unite. I'm sorry. Yeah. And no, it's very much that. And so we that's why I'm here. Back. I'm excited about this plan because at 55, I'm not going to go back. I'm not climbing scaffolding. I'm not wearing hard hats. I'm not going on the construction sites, but he's got a lot to offer and give. He actually today had me drawing for the first time. Yeah. And I actually, no, I've drawn a couple of times. I've gotten to draw. You drew uh, Winnie the Pooh twice. It was Winnie awesome. Winnie the Pooh twice. And we drew something else. He's got no hands. He drew Winnie the Pooh so twice. Today, we, we actually I, just finished our company logo. Yeah. But I have to say, uh, and, 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 you know, forgive me if, if, I, if this doesn't come out right, but you, the way you were born, that's what you've known all of your life. That's right. Cool. And, and so you're, you've adapted to doing things that if somebody, if somebody, you know, lost their arms and legs, you know, yesterday, they would, it would be a real struggle for them, you know, to try and, you know, get by, but, but because of, because of who you are, you, you've grown up with this and you've adapted. So, yeah, no, you're right. But imagine being only three foot tall or four foot tall tops. You can't make your own coffee. You can't do the dishes. You can't, you can't grab things. Well, off. well, that's that's kind of a benefit if you can't do dishes. You can't do his own dishes. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, there's some things. Yeah, climb Kilimanjaro, but he can't do his dishes. So there's a there's a real struggle with being, you know, with this this disability. Yeah, but I, I I'm very fascinated by the fact that you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. There there's there Funny you know, Mount Kilimanjaro. There there there's always <laughs> been sort of this this uh, mystique to it. You know, maybe it's because I you know I I I've read a lot of Hemingway and Africa and all of that. But but can you just briefly tell us how long it took you to climb Mount Kilimanjaro? Yeah, sure. So it was uh, the, that trip, actually. So it was a year in the making. That was a, the part of the process, too, that, you know, a lot of times when we give a speech, I don't necessarily tell about like, the entire experience leading up to it, or at least in the detail. We had a crazy time. I mean, I had a, uh, basically a guide that, like, falsified his credentials and led us up, you know, the wrong trail and almost died oh, in the mountain oh, in Colorado, like all kinds of stuff, you know, and we had, like, to figure out the gear was just a, a really big challenge. So basically, we had to go and start with the bath towels and duct tape. And then, you know, eventually like, so I was literally wrapping bath towels around my arms and, you know, duct taping stuff on. I started climbing here in, um, in Atlanta on a little mountain called stone mountain. It's, uh, uh-huh. yeah. it's like a 100 foot hike. Um, and it was, you know, first time I did it, it took me an hour and 46 minutes. I tore all the skin off the ends of my arms. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was a brutal hike. Ouch. And I think this coming back when I got my gear, by the time I did it again, before we did it with Kilimanjaro, I, I got my time down to like 50 minutes. Right. So it was, you can kind of see like the progression. Um, but the Kilimanjaro hike is, you know, 25, 30 miles basically. And it's, 
you go through every natural climate zone. You start in the rainforest and then you go into like more of a deciduous forest. And then there's a very clear tree line and it's like a desert plain. It looks yeah. like Mars. And then after that, it's um it's a tundra, right? And there's there's glaciers still on the mountain. So right. you know, it's like going through each one of those climate zones, it, it becomes this sort of thing where it's like, you know, it's a it's a brutal, like um, you know, process, but it was also too, you know, learn so much along the way. I remember one key moment in particular, I was, I was on the fourth night of the trip and I was physically like broken. I didn't think I could do anymore. And I literally, uh, my friends were in the tent next to me and I heard them like laughing and joking having a good time. And, you know, it was like, they were playing uh, Settlers of Catan, actually. Oh, you know, my been, goodness me. Up. Yeah, it's a great game. <laughs> what, what an addictive game. You pass the time just playing games and, you know, all that. And, like, I remember, like, I was in such brutal pain that I felt, like, this sense of, like, you know, like, I made a really poor decision. I was like, I got up on this climb, you know, I was there and then, you know, I, I couldn't keep going. And I remembered a promise that I made to uh, the veteran of a fallen soldier. His name's Corey Johnson. I met his mom in a gym in Arizona and she actually gave me Corey's ashes to go in and, and wear on around my neck as I went up the mountain and got to go and uh, deliver, wow. leave Corey's ashes on the summit of the mountain after you know, we ended up making it. But wow. that was a big part of my reason of what kept me going. Wow. Wow. So you guys have gotten together, you forming a company uh, and literally like in the next five minutes, can you just give us an encapsulation of what you're doing with the company? The Kyle Maynard company is uh, a networking uh, company that's built upon service and volunteers and members. And what we do is we go from community to community asking the community what they could use to fix it. We're, we're builders. We're creators. We don't want to destroy anymore. You know, the country's been ripped apart. Sure. So we right, want to right. the community. And depending on which community, what projects, we want to take uh, the funds that we have and use the funds versus volunteers, put them together, and solve a problem. We want the most impact for the, the best budget. And we're going to see if we can't go from community to community. Okay. And, and then, so uh, and Timmy, you're still running Timmy Britt Studios, right? Yeah, but I, I really have devoted myself to making sure that I'm the creative director of the Commander Company. Okay, so you're so kind of you're you're tra- you're transitioning. You're transitioning from yeah, Timmy Bird I, went, I went from an animator to an Imagineer yeah. to an author, and now I'm a uh, creative director for a really great, amazing company. Okay, fantastic. Awesome. Do things for the world that are better. Yeah, I want to. You know, instead of like, I can still do murals and I can still build things. All my friends, the Imagineers, I just make a phone call and we can build whatever we want for the community. If that's they want yeah. to build, then I'm going to be a handy guy to have around. Otherwise, I can just entertain the kids and draw pictures of Mickey Mouse at events and and just be that kind of celebrity. And just kind of not a celebrity, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, yeah, but yeah, and that's like part you're of you're being you're being that person that can do. Yeah. It's also too, like I said, you know, one of the, the him is like my Phil Jackson, he's a really good coach. And yeah. I think like at this stage of life, you know, it's like he said, he's put in his time to go and like build a lot of the park. And there's a lot of people, I think, you know, one of our goals is to go around and like collect all the, all, you know, all the old magic Imagineers. It's like, yeah, you know, cause there's a lot of people too, that, well, I'm asking like, you that, too. that aren't around <laughs> anymore. You know, and I think that like, young artists and entrepreneurs need inspiration. They yeah, need guides. Sure. They need people, you know, I wouldn't have gone and I wouldn't have gone through any of my mountain climbs had I not had active guides. Like I said, my first guide falsified his credentials and basically like almost got us killed. Right. Oh, but then right. Once I got to like a good crew, then it was, you know, it was a completely different experience. And my guide um, now, um, you know, is, 
He actually, you know, it's like you have somebody there that can catch you when you fall. Like you need, you need that, right. You need that support and somebody that can go and teach and guide and, you know, help you and learn along the way. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, Timmy today had me drawing our logo, our company logo for the first time, yeah. you know, and it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Took a picture of it. It's like, it's just, it's wild. Like how fast this has been coming together. That support that we've gotten from different people, the feedback along the way. Did so you, did, uh, did, I, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I did want to ask you, did, did you guys film any of you, your, your, uh, no, I keep up, saying we should, but he's too bit, shy. Bit, bit, because I, I really, I, I really feel I like to shy. me doing a documentary of yeah. something like that is, is like incredible inspiration. I mean, it shows, it shows people. I, know, so I thought about that. I actually did yeah. a, uh, I did a documentary with the Miami May fight. So there's a documentary called a fighting chance about my journey to fight in MMA where I was denied. Okay. Okay. Georgia because of the disability and right. moving to the state of Alabama. And I make a joke a lot of times when I'm speaking that like they would have let me fight like a, you know, pit bull or pack of hyenas in, in Alabama if I really wanted to, because it was literally <laughs> the state was completely unregulated at the time. There wasn't right. any commission or anything. The wild like West. So they let me do it. They let me do it there. It's, it's kind of how we made it happen. But the documentary is called fighting chance. Um, and it tells, tells that story, but to film that documentary, it was a, we ended up selling it on, to the ESPN and released it on there. And it was awesome, but it was a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, to film it and all that and to distribute and everything, it was, it was a nightmare. And we literally had to go and tape everything. I love like going on your show and things like that. Right. Cause you guys podcast. do all the work. Let me dispel the uh, myth. Uh, uh, Al John does all the work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on and talk. No, it's fine. We're all blah blah blah, but you're the wizard. No, this is great. I mean, you know, very rarely do we we have people that well, we have people that are passionate, obviously, on the show. But uh, to have both of you on to share an amazing story, uh, Timmy, your story is absolutely amazing, and of course, Kyle, once again, not not only amazing, like both, both right. of you, uh, very inspirational. And I think if people want to seek it out, we'll put links not only to Timmy's oh, studio, but so we'll put links in there as well. Uh, so that people can check Kyle out because, you know, you're very decorated. You've been in the Nike commercial. You've got two-time SB award winner. Uh, you've climbed yeah. mountains, something I could, you, you, you mentioned, you know, climbing uh stone mountain in Georgia. Oh, it's, a, and it's like, it's just a little mountain. And I'm like, dude, no, it's not a little mountain. <laughs> 30 miles. Yeah, I ain't even walking that in the street line. You put me on a gravel path. That's 30 miles long. Let's go. Let, let me let me ask you this though, Kyle. Uh, you you climb Kilimanjaro. Uh, are you looking to climb other mountains, uh, or was that it? Possibly. You know, it's um, this is. I think you know, it's it's something that's definitely. I would say it's for sure on my list. We actually, uh, my guide had talk to me about climbing a mountain in Russia incidentally before all of the stuff has occurred yeah. lately, you know? And so it's, it's funny. I, I told him at the time, I was like, ah, I don't know if I feel good about it. And then like, you know, and then this, this popped off, you know, and it's, it's kind of crazy, but it's, I'm, I'm personally boycotting mountains in Russia. Good for you. In fact, we've we've pulled our podcast. We've we've pulled our podcast from Russia. Yeah, we've yeah we we've shuttered the podcast in Russia. I love it. I love it. There's poor people over there now. Look at them. They're running around like. What do we do? Uh, we it's it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. But listen, hey, I, USA, I, listen to wrap this up though. I I do want to say, Timmy. 
incredibly inspiring story. And, yeah. uh, and Kyle, the same for you. I mean, just very inspiring. And that's part of what we like to do here on the skull rock podcast is have guests on that are very inspirational who have really accomplished an incredible amount uh, in their time on this planet so far. And I know from talking to both of you uh, and I'm sure Al John will agree with me that you've got so much more to accomplish and to exactly. give out uh, to the world, which is, which is just so positive and, and again, inspirational. Uh, can I say something? Sure. Or just to sign off. I, when I was in, at Disney Universal, I got a chance to, to teach and lead and guide younger artists to become great rock stars. So I know that Disney and Universal are in great hands, honestly. I can go outside the park and try to make magic everywhere else. And I just want to leave it with this about Walt, because a lot of your fans that listen aren't Disney fans. And I want to tell you, when Walt was thinking about the Florida project and flying down to Florida and seeing it, he said one time, I want to buy enough land that there's room for the imagination forever. And then he died. And I got to stand on top of the floating mountains of Pandora as I was building them in Bateman. And one morning it was real cloudy. So the clouds came all the way up to the top of the mountain. So the only things you could see across the clouds were the top of Everest, of course, but then you could see the spaceship earth, the castle, you know, the, the, uh, the swan and the dolphin, you could see the contemporary, you could see the tree of life. And so I stood at the top of this mountain on the mornings when I was getting ready to build, help finish build Pandora. And I saw all the land that he bought and he's right. It's not even a fraction of what he bought. 36 oh. square miles, 30. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. and they've only built on such a small, of it. Really, small yeah. fraction of it. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It. Yeah. So, so I want to tell people that love Walt that I saw what he built. He didn't get to see what we were going to do with it, but trust me, it's in really good hands. Well, that's a, that's a great way to wrap up this podcast. Yeah. And, and again, I want to, I want to thank you, Timmy Britt and uh, Kyle Maynard uh, for both being on the show. Uh, it's a real, a real treat. And uh, I, I hope that we have you back again, as I always say to all of our guests, we will have you back again at some point in the future to talk about some new accomplishment or new thing. Al John. Yes. Quick plug for Timmy's book. Let's do it. Extraordinary Magic, available now at your fine bookstores. We'll have a link in the show notes. And also, dropping in for a special run-in, we got Kyle Maynard. Don't forget to check out his book as well, No Excuses. We'll put a link on there, and you can check out all the stuff that Kyle's into. And as uh, as you come back, maybe for for another stint on this show, we'll, we'll talk about what else is going on in your That's world. Cool. A couple different plugs for you. Yeah, I'm going to try to hook you guys with up with 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 other podcast places that I've done. You'd all really get along great. They were oh, amazing people, and you guys are too. We're great this is community. podcast called being here with you guys. Thank you so you thank much. You, thank you very much, guys. We will talk to you again soon. Your attention, please. Now loading on track number one for a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your main street to the world of Disney. All right, Dave, that was one, I mean, one heck of an interview. It, incredible. It really was incredible. I mean, you know, the enthusiasm and just he's such a vivacious individual. You know, I, I, I it's amazing talking with Timmy uh, and, and, and
and Kyle for that matter. I mean, yeah. his special guest, I mean, what, what, what an amazing story there. I mean, I can't imagine, uh, climbing, uh, you know, Mount Kilimanjaro, but to do it without arms and legs, I mean, holy mackerel. Yeah. Well, it's not every day you have a two-time SB award winner on your show. Um, and so we're very delighted about that and delighted about Timmy Britt as well. Now you have to keep this in mind. Uh, don't forget Timmy Britt's book, Extraordinary Everyday Magic, which is in stores. You'll have a link to our Amazon store, or you can please order it from your local bookstore and support your local bookstore and order the Timmy Britt book. Um, it's, it's wonderful stuff. And we may have opportunities to win that book down the road as well. But speaking of winning books, Dave, we're giving away a book. We are. We're going to give away uh, a signed copy of the Claude Coates book. My my book, Claude Coates, it's going to be signed by me, but also by Alan Coates. Yes. Claude's son. And Alan is an, a retired Imagineer in his own right, who actually worked with his father uh, on the building of Walt Disney World. And uh, I would just say uh, both our signatures are going to be in that book. Uh, I'm going to throw in some extra stuff along with uh, the signed copy of the book. So uh, you have a chance to win this. And tell us, Al John, how does this all work? Because I have no clue. Okay, so all you have to do to register to win is go to our Facebook page. There will be a tab there or a pin comment right there at Skull Rock Podcast on Facebook. So facebook.com slash Skull Rock Podcast and just click. You'll have to follow our social media accounts. You'll also have to, um, you know, leave us a comment. And the more chances, uh, the more more things that you follow in social media, the more things you interact and leave comments on, the more chances you have to win the book. Now, this book is going to be available for you uh, to register and win over the next two weeks. And we'll be announcing our winner uh, later on this month. But this is open to United States um, residents only, unfortunately, uh, just because of uh, the way international shipping goes. But this is how we have to roll. So you got to be in the United States to win. And you have to follow our social media account. So just do that. And uh, over the next few weeks, you'll hear us plugging this as well. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And, mm-hmm. and Al John, I do, I do want our listeners to know that, you know, it, it's like we have to do it in the United States because it, it costs us like five or six dollars to ship the book to somebody in the United States. But if you live outside the United States, it's like $75, $80 to ship the book. It, 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 the postage is actually more than the cost of the book. <laughs> so uh, we're sorry about that. It's out of our control. If we, you know, if, if it was reasonable, if it was like $20 or $25, I'd spring for it. Oh, yeah. But you I mean, you're approaching in some, some territories, it's like $85, $87 to send the book. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that said, you know, good luck to everybody. It launches today as you hear this podcast. So go out there, follow our socials and, you know, register for more chances for you to win. Give us those comments and uh, you could probably even leave a, um, a review uh, on any one of your podcast platforms and do a screenshot and we'll enter you to win as well. And we'll talk about it in an upcoming episode of Skull Rock Podcast. Dave, what an awesome show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. We're also streaming on our syndicated uh, network partner, Sorcerer Radio at srsounds.com, award-winning station. Thank you so much for your support at Sorcerer Radio. And 
don't forget, send us those emails. Keep them coming. Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com or Aljohn at SkullRockPodcast.com. And also a huge shout out to all of our uh, supporters on Anchor.fm. Don't forget to support the show uh, and the Skull Rock Podcast uh, family. So, Dave, final word. As always, Al John, peace and love to everybody. Go out, have a fantastic week. Summer has begun. It's my favorite time of year. Uh, go out and enjoy, and we will see you again right here next week on the Skull Rock Podcast. Skull Rock Podcast is made possible by listeners like you. We'd love to thank Charles, Lindsay, Spencer, and Joshua. To support this podcast to sustain future episodes, visit anchor.fm forward slash Skull Rock Podcast. I'm Al John Go, co-host of the Disney List Podcast as heard on Sorcerer Radio, as well as Skull Rock Podcast here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. You are an earmarked agent who books Disney travel vacations for people all the time give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves well i can do all of the legwork for them i have expertise i've been to the disney parks well over a hundred times so they've got that knowledge at their hand as well as it saves them time and money where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next disney cruise Disney Park Trip, Adventures by Disney. They can contact me at themeparksandcruises at gmail.com. I'm Kristen Hetzel, co-host of Dining at Disney Podcast. Every week I chat about dining at Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resort and Disney Cruise Line with my fellow foodie, Bubba. We also feature restaurants and food reviews, information to help you plan your dining, Disney food news, recipes, and a monthly panel discussion. Visit DiningAtDisney.com and subscribe to Dining at Disney Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast platform. Dining at Disney Podcast, the happiest plate on earth.